Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Aaron Chamberlick Radio Show. Today is October 20th and I'm your host, Aaron Chamberlick, health and nutrition coach uh, based here in Nashville, Tennessee. And we have uh, an exciting guest for you today where you can um, learn all about real food and the power that real food has to change your life. So our guest today is certified nutrition consultant, Caitlin Weeks. She has a brand new book coming out in a few days called Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. And we're going to talk a little bit about Caitlin's book as well as her health story, which um, has some similarities to mine in terms of Hashimoto's. And we will talk about the real food um, investigation that led her to feeling great, losing weight, and writing this cookbook. <laughs> so welcome, Caitlin. Hi, Erin. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad you are able to jump on the show today. I know we were scheduled for tomorrow, so this works out um, to go ahead and have the show today. So um Let's see, your website is, um, what's the best website for people to find you? It's called grassfedgirl.com, so G-R-A-S-S-F-E-D-G-I-R-L, grassfedgirl.com. Great. All right, so your cookbook is releasing on October 28th, and I already have mine on pre-order. So the... um, let, tell us about the, the cookbook or the book itself. What what are we going to find in that book? Well, the cookbook is really a combination of my nutrition expertise and my husband's traditional recipes. He's a chef from North Africa. So when I started getting sick in 2010 with Hashimoto's, we were adjusting all of the the dishes to fit to be grain free and gluten free and dairy free and we thought well what a great idea to write all these down because it's really kind of different food than most Americans are used to eating and a lot of the principles are really in line with you know what we're all so familiar with and like Weston A. Price or um, the the gluten-free movement and the real food movement. So it's over 150 okay, pages of of recipes. Uh, I mean, 150 recipes, 432 pages. So it'll it'll keep you busy for a while, Erin. <laughs> Sounds great. Now, tell me your husband's name. His name is Nabil Boomrar. Uh, and he's a chef in San Francisco in the big hotel downtown. Okay, great. And um, from what I've seen, the preview copy, um, it looks like an amazing book, and I can't wait to to get mine. So you you were kind of presenting this as, um, you know, for people who maybe don't know how to cook, don't like to cook, or bored with their paleo diet, how is this going to be different for them? 
Well, we include a lot of new spices and herb combinations. They're not hard to find and things you may already have in your cabinet. Just new ways of using them. A lot of fresh herbs, which are full of antioxidants. So just a new twist. A lot of cinnamon, ginger, cumin, a lot of lemon. Just things that you most people already have. They just may not use them in this way. Great. So the so just if you could back up for a minute um, for those who are listening who don't um, know your story, could you just briefly tell us what what was your path and and how did it lead you to writing a book like this? Uh, what discoveries did you make along the way that helped um, improve your health? Well, I'm glad you asked, Erin, because I think that when people hear you know a relatable story that really helps them on their journey. So I grew up in the South. I'm from Nashville originally, and I, yeah, you know, my parents did the best they could. They had nourishing, or not, not necessarily nourishing, but warm, hot meals every night. And, um, you know, they did the best they could with what they knew, but I didn't, didn't grow up on a, on a whole real foods diet or anything like that. But, um, And uh, I struggled with weight issues in high school and and even as a younger child. So then in in college, I I gained even more weight. And then after college, I decided I was going to diet and go on a low-fat diet and exercise, extreme, extreme exercise. And so I lost a lot of weight. And then I became a personal trainer because I wanted to help other people. And the problem was that I was eating kind of just diet food and, you know, energy bars and diet Coke and, you know, just kind of things to to keep you going, but it wasn't really nourishing me on the inside and out. So slowly my health started to fail and it got to where I needed a pot of coffee just to get out of bed in the morning and, uh, I was extremely fatigued even when I was awake, when I was working. I knew something was was not right. Uh, All of a sudden, in about 2009, 2010, I just really hit a wall with my health, and I sought some holistic practitioners, and I had, of course, some bad experiences with regular doctors who, you know, told me I was just fine. um, But then when I got the... The antibodies tested, I had the the high Hashimoto's antibodies. So then I started really digging into my diet and lifestyle and sought help from a naturopathic doctor and a holistic nutritionist. And I was in nutrition school myself at the time because I had such a great passion for nutrition. So I was really learning that everything I was doing was really contributing to my health, especially I was eating a lot of soy at that time and and a processed uh, soy. And so, you know, I I pretty much turned all that around and that kind of led me to where I am today. I started my my blog and uh, that was about four years ago and now I I just work on my blog now and, and I write cookbooks 
<laughs> so I, I was reading your story. You um, you lost quite a bit of weight through all of this. Did you want to share about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's it's a, it's ups and downs of things. I mean, when I lost a lot of weight on a low fat diet, running marathons and exercising hours every day and, you know, counting 1,200 calories. And, you know, so I I don't want anybody to do that because then I really feel like that led to my health crisis. And now, you know, I have have been able to uh, really heal myself from the inside out, but uh, I have not been able to stay at my lowest weight that I ever you know, achieved. So I really want people to focus on, you know, that health is the most important thing and looking perfect may not be the holy grail. I'm sure you can, you know all about that too, right, Erin? Yeah, in um, Hashimoto's, if we didn't say this, is um, a hypothyroid condition and specifically, it's an autoimmune condition where your body is attacking your own thyroid. And so a lot of people, they'll go to their doctor and they get diagnosed as, um, you know, a sluggish thyroid and put on maybe some medication. But the second step isn't being taken oftentimes to determine is this an autoimmune condition, um, which usually for women it is. <laughs> And that's when it's called Hashimoto's. And you want to know that because it's um, critical to avoid certain foods when you have autoimmune conditions. So can you talk about that, um, what what foods you avoid and what foods are, um, you know, excluded in your cookbook for that reason? Yeah, absolutely. So when I uh, was told I had Hashimoto's, I had learned a lot about the elimination diet in nutrition school and then which is where you eliminate the most common food allergens slash sensitivities for um, 30 days or so and then you slowly reintroduce them and it's a way to you know notice symptoms such as bloating or acne or um, different digestive symptoms a lot and headaches maybe. So all these things you can observe by adding in the foods. And, you know, I'm sure you're with me in agreeing that that the gut is is where the health begins. So when you remove these foods, it gives your your gut a chance to heal. And then that kind of has a ripple effect on the rest of your health. So when you take these foods out, as you'll you'll see all these improvements. And so the the philosophy that I was drawn towards was paleo, which is a philosophy that is just the foods that were eaten by Paleolithic people before the agricultural revolution. So most paleo people are free of dairy also beans, all grains, including wheat, gluten. Uh, So those are the big things. It's free of all processed foods, new foods like seed oils such as canola, soybean oil, 
So all those things are excluded from our book. We do have a little bit of of high quality dairy, but it's always optional. People can uh leave it in or take it out and we have guides included for that. So um and some people do really well with high quality dairy such as grass fed or raw dairy, but others do not. So it's kind of an individual thing. Okay, so um, now we're we're talking about avoiding grains, which to most Americans um, we've been told to eat, you know, the food pyramid and six to eleven servings of grains. But unfortunately, that doesn't work, and the food pyramid was created by the USDA, who would like us to eat more grains. So what's happened is, um, as we've dutifully followed along, we've gained weight, developed diabetes and heart disease, and all kinds of issues that come from a high-grain, high-sugar diet. So this cookbook is really um, fabulous, and I had a preview internet kind of copy. <laughs> so you have recipes for breakfast, appetizers, soups, pizza and pasta. So tell me, how can there be pizza and pasta without grains? We have five pizza recipes, and most of them are made out of, uh, there's several paleo ingredients that are friendly for making they're friendly to the gut, and they're friendly for making pizza. So um, almond flour can work pretty well, tapioca, arrowroot, starch. You can make – we have a nut-free pizza made out of sunflower seeds. We have a, a an autoimmune paleo pizza, which is made with gelatin as the binder because you can't have nuts or seeds on autoimmune paleo. So we really went out of our way to make, we also have low, lower carb pizza. So we have a regular paleo pizza, which has more carbs, and then we have a lower carb one for people who may, you know, be excluding or lowering their carbs, limiting their carbs. So we have a little bit of something for everyone in this one. And the pasta, the same thing, is made out of a, a little bit of almond and um, either tapioca or arrowroot and secret ingredient but it's all it's all friendly for people who are following a grain and gluten-free diet that's great so after that comes poultry recipes red meat seafood odd bits what kinds of recipes are in the odd bits chapter well, we really wanted people to include more organ meats because, as we know, Erin, they're the most nutrient-dense foods that you can get. So uh, we have several different liver recipes, like a pate, uh, like a slow-cooked liver and mushrooms with a tomato, like a sauce and braised so they're really tender. And we also have some oxtail. It's not, uh, we also have beef tongue. Just parts that maybe people aren't using every day that we wanted. So we we have a, a meatloaf that has liver included. The the way to eat liver is to hide it in other things, so that um, you know maybe it'll be a one quarter liver but three quarters ground beef or something like that. And that way you know it doesn't have an overpowering. 
flavor that some people complain about, you know. Yeah, I think that is the key. And also buying um, organ meat from animals that are raised the right way since that's the organ of detox. You don't want to get conventional liver. So you get, um, you know, grass-fed and farmer's market (laughs) type type of animal protein and organ meats. Um, Yeah, the the first... I was just going to say... Uh, the first 50 pages or so of our book is all dedicated to helping people understand how to shop for the right uh, ingredients and sourcing, you know, how to shop locally at their farmer's market and that kind of thing. So they can really get a good introduction there. Yeah, that'll help because not everybody understands um this way of eating, but it is so powerful for um, not just weight loss, but um, it's the way to quiet inflammation from um, whatever chronic condition you have and to control, you know, blood sugar um, and, you know, Hashimoto's um, and any of these autoimmune conditions. And people are just finding amazing health recovery when they start eating real food, um, you know, fruits and vegetables, these grass-fed meats, seafood, nuts and seeds, healthy fats. Um, and when they avoid the grains and processed food, sugar, and even beans, uh, legumes can be um, problematic um, for people and um, and dairy, as you mentioned, may or may not work for some people, and of course it depends on the source and um, the even the genetics of the cow. So, when you say lean proteins, um, are you excluding certain types of meat from a healthy paleo diet that way? Did I say lean proteins? <laughs> No, maybe you didn't. Maybe I just am cross-referencing <laughs> something else. Yeah, because I thought, well, that's um, that's funny. I just wanted to hear what you had to say about that. So no, that no, else. but that's a good. <laughs> no, that's a good point, though, Erin, because a lot of people in paleo have that misconception, or when they hear about paleo, and what we really wanted to do is show that paleo is not about lean meats. It's just about using the whole animal, and the whole animal has fat and organs and everything all in one, and a lot of gelatin. We really focus on bone broths and using bones in our soups and in our tagine recipes, our slow-cooked stews, so that people get that benefit of that gelatin, which is gut healing, along with all the flavor that comes from bones. So we just really want people to get away from that idea of lean meat. And I think that would actually stall someone's progress on their healing. If you know, Most people who do hear about paleo are coming into it from a, from a compromised health standpoint. And so if they're just eating lean chicken breast and broccoli and, you know, strawberries, they're probably not going to have that miraculous, um, improvement that you hear about. So and we really want people to, to get away from that idea and and focus on healthy fats such as, you know, beef tallow, uh, 
lard, of course, is a healthy fat. We don't we don't really eat pork in my family, so we don't have a lot of pork in my book. But it, if you you're welcome to substitute it at any time. And uh, we have a lot of you know olive oil, of course, is a strong ingredient in the, the middle the Mediterranean. We didn't cook with it. We used it mostly. We didn't. We tried not to cook with it too much. We used it sometimes as a marinade, a lot of uh, salad dressings and finishing more because, you know, it's not very good at high heats. It tastes a little weird and also, you know, oxidizes just like a seed oil, maybe canola or soybean oil would. So you definitely want to avoid those. Uh, We also have a lot of other healthy fats like tahini, sesame oil so we really have a lot of butter and we use ghee and we have coconut oil for those people who can't have the dairy okay yeah thanks for clarifying that um we we need the fat and i i've seen people who will eat the real food diet and still fear the fat because they think we're just crazy but the science supports that we need to eat fat, um, specifically the types you mentioned. And um, I think it was on your website that you um, said uh, the the traditional people um, would give the lean meat to the dogs or discard it because that wasn't um, nourishing and they didn't value it. Um, and and so so we need to value it and recognize that we can't even absorb um, certain vitamins if we're eating low fat and our brain needs it, every cell needs it, and we need to get over the fat phobia uh, because it's been to our health detriment. So in your book and you have some. Go ahead. I mean, absolutely, they. When I, I the thing is, people may they may be afraid of it at first, but when they eat more fat in their diet, they'll notice that their appetite is decreased over the day, and they probably won't be eating so much as they would normally because they'll be so satisfied, you know. Mhm. Yeah, and we do need to do a little bit more planning when we're eating real food because you're not pulling up to a window and having a sack of uh, pseudo-food handed to you. So that's an objection. Just, you know, we just need to face it that our our health is worth it. We're worth it. We need to change our priorities and, you know, go, um, you know, get a few books like this so that we can understand how to nourish ourselves because this is the way out of uh, the multiple medications. That's not an answer. That's not even a very good Band-Aid. And it's keeping people sick and, um, you know, enslaved to uh, a program that doesn't work. So we, you know, would like to see everybody at least try it. You don't have to even believe that real food can do anything for your condition. But if you would pick up this book and try these recipes for 30 days, um, invest the time in planning, uh, I think everybody will feel better because this is the, you know, real human diet, I think. (laughs) So tell us how you do, um, in the book, how are we going to find help in planning meals? 
Well, we have a shopping list that you can, you know, copy and take to the store with you, so that will help you. We also have a two meal plans, 30-day meal plans. One is for people following a regular paleo diet, and the other one is for people following the autoimmune paleo diet. We have a lot of swaps for people who maybe are on the standard American diet and transitioning over to more of a grain-free diet. So certain things like we used cauliflower rice instead of rice or um, we have several different, you know, breakfast recipes that people like a breakfast bread, kinds of things that people can use kind of as a crutch until they get used to not having bread at every meal, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the menu plan I'm looking at looks, uh, quite exciting. So, and you do have planned leftovers. So it's not like you're creating a masterpiece three times a day. Here, you you have a recipe for, let's say, uh, creamy cilantro salmon with cauliflower couscous, and then that's going to show up as your uh, what you're having for lunch the next day, the leftovers. And then you might have um, some braised beef. And then that'll be lunch the next day. So planned leftovers is just a really good idea. Don't make just the bare minimum to feed the family dinner, but at least double it so you have uh, food for the next day. Yeah, and we had a we have 17 slow cooker variations for people who you know are on the go a lot at work and and stuff like that. So that will help those people definitely Um, and I'll just mention my website is getbetterwellness.com I have on uh, my website recommended resources at the top and um, our resources I should say and under that tab is recommended reading list and you'll find Caitlin's book there Uh, I would go ahead and get the Mediterranean Paleo Um, cookbook on order so that you will be uh, ready to go with some exciting uh, recipes coming up our holidays and and a lot of these things um, will be easy as well as nourishing uh, for you and your family at a time when people are throwing um, healthy eating out the door (laughs) this is a good time to (laughs) change and say I'm going to you know draw a line in the sand and just start eating real food and seeing how good I can feel so there's uh, plenty of recipes for beef and lamb and poultry and seafood and organ meat and yes, you might even like it. So um, I like that you have some Don't recipes where, where it's hidden. <laughs> so what about desserts? Yeah, Is that absolutely. part of the plan too? Oh yeah, we have about 20 desserts or something around there, and um, you know the desserts. I always found when I was working with clients that. If somebody didn't take something with them, then they would fall apart and eat whatever was offered at the place of the party. So I think it's much better to prepare something and take it with you rather than think, oh, well, I'm not going to eat anything, you know. So, um, and the great thing about our desserts is we also have low carb modifications if somebody's wanting to, we use stevia for people who maybe don't want to eat honey or maple sugar, maple syrup or 
mm-hmm. coconut sugar. Um, but, you know, the desserts are still very nourishing and full of vitamins and minerals and, you know, they're made from nuts or coconut or um, cocoa. So it's, it's real ingredients, not just, you know, enriched wheat flour, for example. So right. you don't and, have to And you would guilty. not be embarrassed <laughs> to bring some of these dishes to a party. When I'm looking at the pictures, oh. very exciting Um you know, so take a take a look at the book, get it on order. Um, Caitlin, we are running out of time here, so can you just uh, say the name of your book again, when it comes out, where to get it, and how to get in contact with you? Yes, yeah, so the name of the book is Mediterranean Paleo Cooking, and it comes out October 28th. It's Right now, if you want to pre-order it, it's 44% off on Amazon. You can order it at MediterraneanPaleoCooking.com. And my website, my main website is GrassFedGirl.com, and there's a contact page on that if you have any questions about anything. Uh, my, We will answer your questions. And... You know, I'm just so grateful that you had me on the show, Erin, and I think people will really like the recipes. We did over two years of research. We went to North Africa twice to get ideas for for this book. So you'll find all your favorites like falafel, baba ganoush, moussaka, pitas. So think think people will really like it, and it's a great gift for Christmas like you like you mentioned. All right, sounds good, and I'll see you at the Barnes & Noble book signing in Cool Springs next Tuesday evening. So thank you, everyone. Um, Have a great day. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Thank you, Erin. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.